We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. You know, uh, hope your Christmas was warm and wonderful. And uh, did you have any impatient children? They, they just wanted to get to the gifts. Did you have any impatient adults? <laughs> it was funny. We had our whole crew, all 18 of us at the house. And it's a nice, you know, volume 10 and a little above. And, uh, but, but one of our grandsons, he came to me a couple of times. And he'd walk up. He'd say, Grampy, is it time to open presents yet? I said, no, but it's not yet. He said, oh, okay. And he'd turn around and go back to the toy room and play. I was pretty impressed. No fussing, no fighting. He just knew it's going to come. And so uh, it was great to see that. You know, that's okay in, in a child. Not so great in adults sometimes. We need to be able to respect how we receive and uh, how that goes. So we'll come back to that thought in a few minutes. The Apostle John wrote, this is real love. In 1 John 4 verse 10, he says, this is real love. Not. Everybody say not. This is what real love is not. Not that we love God. But that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. If that doesn't humble you and, and make you grateful and just think, what an awesome God. How wonderful is that? I mean, you know your past. I know my past. And when we think about the things that God does... That he doesn't have to do. Nobody could make him do. We need to, we need to have a, an incredible sense of worth. And a lot of times people don't have that these days. And there are a lot of good reasons for people not to have that. And I want to talk about today a healthier life. Being able to uh, move into the future. And, you know, it's so wonderful, the legacy that we're building in this house with the little kids back in the classroom. Didn't they do great for Christmas? And they come on, they come on this platform and, you know, the, the little three-year-old, I mean, these are small children. And they get up here and they duck and dive and swoop and do all the stuff and hey mom and hi dad and all that stuff, you know. And it's just great. But the point is, by the time they're five, six, eight, ten years old, they're not nervous anymore. They're platform free. They understand how to come up here. And it's a great thing. And what's happening in their hearts, beyond the teachers teaching in the classroom, but with you parents and all of the good things that you learn from the scripture and the healthy ways that these children, it's legacy. And we're building generation after generation. And they're going to go out and impact others. And every new person that comes in the church brings a circle of friends and family with them. So important that we keep our focus on what God's doing and not give ear to all the naysayers and, and the things, you know, that uh, are, tend to cause people to think that everything's going back. Backwards. It's going the way God wants it to go. It's going to keep going the way God wants it to go. And, and I just want to be with him. That's the key. I just want to stay with him. But the, you know, the wonder of God's real love is that he didn't have to do it. That's the big deal. It's, it's not that we loved him and, you know, we accept Jesus. Well, we accept what he did. We acknowledge that. We hook on to that. We put our life on that but on the other hand he didn't have to do it 
And that's the thing that's real love. That's his, his love overruled his hurt. And his purpose overruled his problem. And when we start to imitate these things and start to learn these things, we start to put them in our lives and then your children and your grandchildren and so on. And this multiplies. The love of God goes outside the four walls and it reaches our community, reaches our friends. And this is what I, I hope to see more of as we go forward. I'm delighted with what we're doing. No complaints here. But we're getting larger. People are, you know, we're growing and um, by the way, it's good to see you here the day after Christmas. When you do something, <laughs> when you do something the day after, anybody got the day after? It's the day after. <laughs> your rubbish bins are full. Your kids are on, you know, they're on sugar up to here. And I met a couple of adults this morning, sugar up to here. <laughs> but <laughs> his righteousness was big enough to resolve our unrighteousness. This is real love. And when we get this deep down etched into our souls, we'll have such an appreciation. We will be able to do more. It energizes you. It strengthens you. It keeps you. And so in the Bible, there are multiple words that are translated into our English language that represent love. One of them is Philadelphia. Stands for friendship, brotherly love, hence the city. And then storge, it's about being accepted and belonging. A lot of people need storge love. But then there's eros, the sexual love. But none of these are used to describe the love we're talking about. None of them are used to describe God's love. His, his love is described by the Greek word agape. And here's what that means. It means unconditional love. He's, he's reaching out. He's, he's loving everybody. It means preferential love. It's, this is a love that's chosen and acted out by will. And it's a love that's not based on the goodness of the one being loved. Now you see, if we understood these things, we would be able to help keep our marriages together. We would be able to help keep our businesses together. We'd be able to help do the things that we need to do. But we don't understand that. We have the word love. That all of these multiple words in the Bible describe as one word in our language. And so we think what we feel is love. When we really need to come along and say, look, that's not love. People, if that's love, it doesn't work. Because we fall out of it too easily. We don't stick to it like we ought to. We said those things, but somehow we can't find uh, the grit to be able to carry them through. And, and so uh, we, we go through different things. But God wants us to understand. And I love the way that this scripture says, this is real love. And of course, we sing a song here with those lyrics. But it's not based on natural affinity or emotions. We commit to love. And there's some days that some people are just not very lovable. You don't know him. I know a few. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you look in the mirror and that person's not even lovable. But, but you're not committed on what you feel that day. This isn't about emotions. It's not about whether you feel good and warm and fuzzy and all. You make a commitment to love. 
And I want to say, in your relationship with the Lord, you make a commitment to the Lord. You say, I love you, Lord. And you mean that with all your heart. You walk in that, even when you feel like just going and getting drunk. <laughs> or doing drugs. Or throwing rocks through windows. Whatever excites you. But, you know, on your bad days. And so, this kind of love, you know, is not love that seeks uh, the good. It's a benevolent love that seeks the good of the one being loved. It's not based on emotions. And the interesting thing is this kind of love is exclusive to the Christian community because it flows from God himself. God's real love caused him to send his son in a body of flesh to live and sacrifice his sinless body, thereby conquering sin and death in the flesh for us that we can be made right with God and experience being set free from our sins and enjoying unending relationship with him. Hebrews chapter 5, <clears throat> I mean chapter 10, verses 5 and 10 say this. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, Christ is saying this to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings. Now actually that's what the law required in the Old Testament. But that didn't satisfy God. And Jesus goes on in verse 10, he says, or, or at the end of that verse, he says, but you have given me a body to offer. Let's get this picture. Jesus came understanding. The Old Testament sacrifices didn't do it. That's not what you wanted. It had to be, but it was for a bigger purpose. And now you've given me a body. Jesus came knowing I got this body as an offering. And when we understand that about our body, and that we're walking to be an offering, and we're walking to reach out and to touch other people. And so Jesus says, for God's will, in verse 10, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. When you make that commitment and you decide, I love the Lord. I serve the Lord. And you live daily in that battle with your flesh and your spirit. And you love the Lord. I want to get this straight. You love the Lord. In your spirit, you've made a decision. You're committed to that. You're planning to go all the way. You're going to go for, for your whole life. You're going to love the Lord. And then your flesh gets in the way. Hank, you wave now. Your flesh gets in the way. And it's important that you understand. You know, it's like the video games. Uh, you go to the arcade and they got these karate fighters, you know, MMA guys, and they're out there fighting. You just need to envision that, you know, they're, they're inside there. One's got S. It's not for Superman. It's for Spirit Man. And then there's one in there with an F on his shirt, and that's Flesh Man. Whichever one you feed's going to win. I said, whichever one you feed is going to win. And so, we just need to be aware of this. You don't need to feel like that, you know, some people feel like they fall down every couple days. Lost their faith every couple days. And, and God just wants to grow you up a little bit more out of that. Because he doesn't want you going through that. On the other hand, we don't make an excuse to sin. It'll happen enough without us ever trying. And so 
we need to understand that battle is going on within us and to be able to deal with that to be able to reign over that to be able to control that we need to understand the real love of God and we need to be able to apply that in our lives whenever we sin we repent we get up we I'm sorry God I shouldn't have done that please forgive me help me strengthen me and so we want to do that let's look at five aspects of God's real love number one God's real love prov provides us a healthy place. Look what it says in 1 John 4, verses 16 through 18. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. Say that with me. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows. Now, listen to what happens. This is our happy place. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. This is why Paul could say, I'm ready to go. He wanted to go be with the Lord. He didn't have a fear of judgment. As we mature as believers, we should lose our fear of judgment. Don't have any reason to have a fear of judgment. But but we have to grow to that. And, and that's what I'm hoping I can help you do today. To understand from, take these verses, learn these things, think about them, apply them. But he says, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence. Because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love, now we're not talking about Storge love. We're not talking about Philadelphia love. We're talking about the real love. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. It's what we're talking about today. We want to get to the full experience. We want to not be fearing judgment. We want to have the understanding, I am growing. I'm doing better this month than I did last month. If you just keep doing that, you're going to get there. And you're going to feel good about doing it. And so I want to I just encourage this. Sort out the loves in your life. And then understand that God's real love provides these things for us. Second aspect, God's real love is the greatest in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, now these three remain. And the church, you know, we make a big deal about faith. And, and hope is one of our favorite things. But neither of them's the greatest. It says, yeah, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Everything that we do. You know, if you read, read in Corinthians, it says if you give your body to be burned, if you, you give away all of your finances, if you bestow everything as gifts, if you don't have love, you're what? Nothing. It says you, you're not, And so everything operates through love. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you want to grow in, just think, now, love is the way I get there. I've got to love the Lord. I've got to apply his word. And as I love, these things are going to develop. You know, it's, it's like a flower blooming. 
you see that bud come up you know something's going to happen and and you want it to happen but you can't make it happen that day and so you keep working on it but God's real love is the greatest not hope not faith love number three third aspect God's love makes faith functional God's love makes faith functional. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Of course, that was the big deal in the scriptures. They had to get circumcised. There were were some squabbles about do they have to be circumcised, all these things. But what they're saying here in Galatians is circumcision and uncircumcision don't avail anything now. It's faith working through love. Faith working through love. Love compels faith. It drives our faith above our fear. That's what love will do for you. Well, when when we lived in Virginia in our early days, and Ryan was a little guy, our oldest son, uh, he was probably three years old, maybe four. Well, when we had had to bulldoze or clear our lot, we had a huge mound uh, uh, stumps and everything covered with dirt and it's probably 15-20 feet high and the kids like to play on that and little Ryan he's up there playing on it and in Virginia we had plenty of cotton mouths and copperheads not unusual let your grass get too deep and while you're cutting grass you'll see one you know they were around and there, there was a, a snake on the hill there a copperhead and Nita saw that snake and she saw her little boy and the snake was between her and the boy, but she didn't even think about the snake. Pew. Right across that snake, get that baby. And so, <laughs> you know, love will make you love will make you lose your mind momentarily. <laughs> she hasn't chased me that hard lately, but I'll tell you what. No, I'm joking. Hey, 51 years. Come on now. But, you know, love love supports our faith. And love doesn't give up. That's the great thing. You're not going to run out of love. Number four, God's love is the first fruit of the Spirit. It lists uh, a, a long list of fruits of the Spirit, but the first one's love. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then the fifth one, God's real love. And, and here's the great thing that brings us back to the beginning here God's real love restores the undeserving restores the undeserving and you know I don't know about you but my my natural mind just has a way of trying to sort people out and categorize people and everything else but I've been around long enough I've seen so many breakthroughs good breakthroughs and you know people that you you never thought and then they rise up the love of God got a hold of them love of God got a hold of them and an important thing that we need to keep in mind if you think of the person that you you might feel like just in what you understand it may be the furthest from God that you know love can touch them and they're not bad people your bad people aren't bad people they're not mean people. They're lost people. And they're not 
just mean or, or irritating or whatever. They're in darkness. They're not trying to be hard. They're not trying to be dumb. They're not trying to uh, do any of those things. The Bible talks about walking in light and in darkness. And that's why it's so amazing if you're walking in light and someone else is in darkness and you look at what they've done, you think, that's so dumb. What's wrong with them? But they're not dumb. They can't see. Close your eyes a second. How do I look? You know, darkness. Got to realize that. But number five is that God's real love restores the undeserving. In Luke chapter 15, this is a chapter about lost things. And the first 10 verses, now Jesus is saying this, it's in the red ink, and Jesus is talking about a lost sheep and what the shepherd does about that. Then he talks about a lost coin and what the woman does about that. But then in verse 11, Jesus tells the story of a son. And this son makes a decision and he decides to leave his father's house. He's going to go live his own way. Anybody ever had that dream? Come on, raise your hand. We all have. Why? Because we don't like the rules. We want to have fun. Seems like they don't want to do that around here, so we want to leave. It's too governed, too systematic. There are expectations. You can't just show up. You can't just do what you want to do. And that's what we want to do. But when we get old enough, we'll be able to do that on our own. Remember those days? You're all sitting there like you didn't think it. I know you thought it. But listen, this, this story here, uh, Jesus' story represents some things that, that we may not think of. First of all, it first represents that God is the father of everyone. And he's speaking to Pharisees, Jewish Pharisees. And uh, he is helping them to understand that all men are your brothers and that their father has an inheritance for each. And the story demonstrates that children have different characters. The older son, he was a reserved, orderly, organized type, sober and diligent, but he was irritable intolerant, and intolerant. Not the best personality uh, but he represented Jewish people, their organization, systems, and all of that. But then the younger son, he was impatient, wild, and a partier. And he represents the Gentiles, those Pharisees despised. But, you know, Jesus' point was that God is reaching out to everyone, not just you Jews. And that's really something that uh, church-wide, around the world, every church, we, we've got to consciously put away our human thinking. Because it's not like God's thinking. His ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. We've got to elevate. We've got to be able to put aside our thinking, categorizing, and so on. And so this, this story is, is wanting to point out 
that the Father is reaching out to everyone. And it's important not to write anyone off. In Romans 3 verse 30 it says, There is only one God and he makes people right with himself only by faith whether they are Jews or Gentiles. And so in the Gospels we see where one sent to the Jews, one sent to the Gentiles, and God was reaching everybody. But let's read this story quickly and make a couple of points. Starting in verse 11, uh, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share. He says, give me my inheritance. I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide the wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed his bags, his belongings, and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Many of you have been here. You had something, you had friends, you had buddies, you had parties, and then as soon as your resources ran out, your friends ran out too. And God won't do that on you. And so here, verse 17, when he finally came to his senses... Now picture this young man. He's gone to a far land. He's way away. He's not in the next town. He has traveled. He's really far away. And uh, he has spent all his money. He's done all his partying. And now he's standing there thinking about it because actually the pods that he's feeding the pigs looks good to him. And in one version it says he came to himself. And so he realizes here... And it says he came to his sense. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, this is beautiful here, look. He says, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And you know, that spirit, that humility there, that understanding of, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. And I don't deserve anything. Would you just hire me? Could I just eat with the servants? And when we come to that place in our lives where we realize, we come to our senses... And it doesn't matter if you got a six-digit income. It doesn't matter if you got a mansion on a hill or whatever. People in every level of life come to this place where they realize this, this isn't it. And I've been wrong and I'm out of place. He says, please take me on as a hired servant. Verse 20, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Look at what the father does. Filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Which was what they did in those days. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned both against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, 
Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Now this makes me think about in Genesis 41 where uh, Joseph, the Pharaoh, you know, Joseph goes into the Pharaoh's house and so on. And Joseph earns the spot. The Pharaoh decides, we're treating you like family and you're going to be in charge behind me. And so in that it says that Pharaoh took his signet ring off his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And so here, as we finish up this story, now the father has given the son. The ring is like the password. The robes, all of that stuff. You're part of the family. You're back. And he, he, he takes him in. And verse 23 says, And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And, you know, it's so beautiful. And to think of what happened to that son. He came back to be a servant. And his father celebrated him. His father realized the value of what had happened. And we don't have time to go into it, but the older brother uh, was was not that way, and he had his difficulties. But I just want to I just want to encourage us. God's real love expresses in how undeserving people are restored. It's through unconditional, preferential. It's love that's not based on the goodness of the one being loved. It's not on natural affinity or emotion. It's on benevolence. It's on seeking the good for others. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he what? He gave. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so I want to encourage us today. Let your love grow. Separate God's love in your thinking. Make it so that you're not thinking about God in terms of human definitions or definitions of human love. And that you're seeking to allow God's love to be activated in your life. So that in your relationships, you're good for your word. You're uh, committed to what you say. Love doesn't have to have a good feeling all the time and you are going to stick it out and you're going to win those are the people that God really really is able to do greater things through to trust more to and so I want to encourage you today have you made Jesus your Lord have have you returned have you had that experience where you realize man I thought I was living life I was partying but now my friends are gone Things feel kind of open and empty. And I really need to go back to the Father. You see the importance of that house. Leaving the house. It's all got to do with the church. You need to be in the house. You need to be in Father's care. You need to be among family. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer in just a moment. But have you returned to the Father? Are you... Are you experiencing that love? And for all of us, are you feeling clean? Doesn't mean that you don't 
make mistakes. Doesn't mean that you don't have to repent. We do our very best, but at times we don't do our very best. But are you experiencing a healthy place in God's love where you're growing? And the more love grows, the less fear you feel. And you're making progress. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.